In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about how Kaylin Bayron should run for office, how all girls want free books, and Weekend at Bernie's with puppet plants, in our discussion of This Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers and echoes. It is echoey, but I don't care. I'm Amanda. I'm Constance. And I'm Claire. Today we're going to discuss This Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go fuck. Stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. Or go fuck. You can do that too if you want to. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Consent illegal. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just get straight into background information? Because I think this is going to be one. (laughs) You can't get all three of us together and it be a normal episode. It's not a thing. Even no. one of us being by ourselves is not a normal episode, so, you know. <laughs> what is a normal episode? There That's are a good question. <laughs> there are not normal episodes. Those don't exist. Episodes. If they did exist, it would be really sad. Womp womp. <laughs> so I was, I was really excited when I found this background information because everyone should know how I feel about something mentioned in the background information. So, anyway, from PublishersWeekly.com, this is a Q&A with Kaylin Bayron by Idris Gray from April of 2021. And she was asked, what inspired the premise of this poison heart? And her response is, a lot of things. I was obsessed with musicals as a kid, including Little Shop of Horrors. Me too. Of course, I have a love for fairy tales and children's literature from when I was young. So I also loved The Secret Garden. I thought it would be great to have my own little garden somewhere, but being the type of reader that I am, I thought, what if the plants were deadly or some other twist? So there's that. Yep. That sounds like you, Amanda. Did you did you secretly write this book? I wish I did. I wish I could take credit for this book. It's awesome. <laughs> Glad I did. I was so excited for this book. I'm glad that uh, Superfan Constance suggested it. It was so good. I couldn't put it down. Cinderella is Dead, episode 129, for those interested, was absolutely fantastic. And I still go in my salad crisper and giggle. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I was excited for this one. I'm sad that there were no salad crispers involved. Well, to be fair, I mean, there was a lot. You could easily link it, the amount of foliage. That's true. That is true. It's not Some a salad crisper this time. Not with the apothecary. It's your herb and spice cupboard or drawer or wherever you store is. them. And I have you're so right. many. So many. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We'll just be in the pantry this time. Exactly. Exactly. The dehydrator. The oregano. Yes. And the paprika. <laughs> We're in the dehydrator. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. It's Sword. really, really great. Sword. Fantastic. Should we get into it? Yes. Yes. All right. We start the story at a flower shop 
run by Briseis's moms, Thandy and Mo. After an elderly customer is sad by them being out of white roses, Briseis runs to the back to do something about it. Here we discover that she has magical powers over plants. Not only is she able to grow six roses from the remains of a dead rose, but all the plants nearby flourish and try to be near her. Dizzy, from the use of her power, she returns to the customer and makes his day. Her mom is not so happy with the events. <laughs> she knows how dangerous it is for Bree to use her powers and doesn't want her to push herself. Soon after, Mo comes in and both moms gang up on Bree about not working so much and to go do whatever it is that teenagers do. As Bree goes up to her garden of a room, she finds an email from the school counselor telling her that her grades weren't good enough to get her into a summer college-level botany class. Distraught over her shattered summer plans, Bree remembers that she still has her secret project to look forward to. Ooh. Hidden deep in a nearby park is Briseis' secret project. Water hemlock. Jesus One of the most Christ. poisonous plants on the planet. <laughs> Fun for all. <laughs> Bree has spent months growing and studying it and now is finally big enough for her to harvest and study more closely. While dissecting the most poisonous part of the plant, more surprises her, making her slice her thumb with the poison-soaked scalpel. Bree is completely freaked out and scared because the water hammock poison will kill her in a matter of minutes. Fun times. She waits for death to come, but nothing happens. She's supposed to be dying a horrible, gruesome, painful, agonising death. But instead, you know, just sitting there, being had a pad tie by her moms. Good times. It's fine. Surprise. Fine. Who doesn't love some pad tie? To try and take her mind off her not-so-near-death experience, Brie calls her friend Gabby, who has been drifting away from her ever since she started cluing on Brie's powers. They talk about summer plans and Gabby tells her some unintentionally hurtful things about how she doesn't need to be weird around plants all the time and that she could be normal if she tried. All this does is make Brie wish she could be open and herself with her true friend. Yeah. We feel you, Brie. Can we just punch Gabby in the face? Yeah, let's just stop now and go and do that. Rammer with a unicorn horn. Yes. (laughs) Stab her with a hemlock scalpel. No, that's too much. That's taking it too far. That's that's yeah. actual murder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We probably want to skip that one. We don't go to actual murder, just actual grievous bodily harm. Yes, it's fine. Cool. I just need to know our boundaries, that's all. Please carry right. on. Yes. All right. The next day, after stressing about money problems and working at the flower shop, Bree's mom gets a phone call, making them have to leave for the apartment. An attorney called saying that Bree's birth mother's sister died and left her estate, which leaves everyone confused and unsure how to feel. The attorney, Melissa Redman, arrives at the apartment and dives right in. Bree's aunt, Cersei, has left her a sizable house with all items within and 40 acres of land. It resides in a small town in upstate New York called Rhinebeck. The only conditions are that she can't alter or sell the property until she turns 18. After telling Bree and her mom some cryptic stuff about the house and town being more than what it seems, she leaves them with two keys and a few letters meant for Briseis's eyes only. 
After much debate between Bree and her moms, it is decided they will spend the summer at the house, a perfect escape from their current money problems and an unexpected rise in rent. After setting up stock for the flower shop, Briseis, Mom, and Mel pack up the car and head to Rhinebeck. When they get there, it looks like a beautiful small town. The three were split on whether the town looked lovely or looked like a scene out of the movie Get Out. <laughs> Love it so much. It's a bit 50-50, really. Oh, I mean, only time will tell. Only time will tell. They finally make it to the house, which looks like the Adams family mansion overrun with ivy. The so, house yeah. is old and a mess, but it also feels warm and lived in just needs to be cleaned up and worked on a little. While exploring the house, they discover an apothecary shop that is filled with dried, poisonous, and non-poisonous herbs. After picking out their rooms, they continue to explore the house and find a set of stairs that lead to another floor. As they climb up, they discover that it is a turret filled with books, paintings, and old furniture. The moms go downstairs to start cleaning while giving Bree a moment alone to absorb everything. As she is about to look at one of the letters Cersei left her, she hears her mom let out a piercing scream. (gasps) Brie runs to her mom's and lands in a heap next to her mom while Moore is off to the side laughing her butt off. (laughs) You know, I don't know how I feel about Moe's pranks because they lead to death. Yeah. <laughs> We've covered well, a lot of books where pranks can always lead to bad places. So yeah. Oh. We'll stop with the, the pranks, Mo. Just no, just say no. Well, it turns out that Mo has played a prank again this time for Thand- on Thandy for fun. As they begin to get up, Bree notices that the leaves she and her mum are covered in on the ground are poison ivy. Shit. <laughs> and her mum is already covered in rash. Her mum rushes to the tub to wash the oil off. Moore runs to the store to get calamine lotion and Brie goes to clean herself up. But like how it was with the water hemlock, she's not affected by the poison at all. While waiting for Moore to get back, she remembers the letter from Cersei and pulls it out to read again. The letter goes on about regrets over their situation and how her sister wanted to keep Brie safe, but that thanks to their gifts, inverted commas, they can't escape their fate. That's a bit ominous, isn't it? It also promises her that the answers she seeks are in a safe in the turret behind the painting of the deer. Mel returns pretty quickly and has Brie help her bring in the groceries and set up food while she brings Thandy the calamine lotion. While eating dinner, they talk about a home remedy that Thandy's mom used to make for rashes and how she wished she had some. They then decide to call Granny up to ask for the recipe. It wouldn't hurt to try to make it, especially since they have an apothecary now. So Granny talks Bree step by step through how to make the mixture. While Mo goes to paint the mixture all over Thandy's body. <laughs> nice. No kink nice. shame. No kink shame. <laughs> Definitely no kink shame on that one. Uh, Bree runs back up the turret to find whatever is in the safe. She finds a folder with three envelopes numbered and addressed to her. But before she could do anything about it, she notices someone standing outside the window. No, thank you. (laughs) Put that in the no bucket. Bree summons her moms and they all run downstairs to confront the stranger. But the person is now gone. 
they decide to play it safe and call the police. But who arrives isn't a cop. Her name is Dr. Grant. She's a social worker who leads the Civilian Public Safety Office. She explains how the town has recently started defunding the police, how the officers haven't been doing a great job for the community, so they have taken the funding for other programs and the public safety office is a buffer between the police and the community for everyone's safety. They explain, Good job, Yeah, really, way to go. They explain to her their situation and Dr. Grant sends out a squad to do a quick sweep of the immediate property. After finding no one, Dr. Grant assures them that she'll make sure that their house is added to the patrol route and they'll keep an eye out for them. Fanny and Moe appreciate it and Bree asks if she knows anything about the family that lived in the house before them. Sadly, she gets little to no information beyond what she already knows. The next day they get back to cleaning the house and Bree discovers a giant leather bound book called Venenium Hortus or Poison Garden in English. A hand-drawn and written encyclopedia on poisonous plants made by Bree's birth family. They go through the book until they find the chapter on the absurdist heart and discover that it was added in by Bree's birth mother indicated by her signature in the bottom corner of the page. And like the amazing parents they are, they tell Bree if any of this stuff gets too hard on her that they'll leave and go back to the city that they refuse to stay if it hurts her. Yay! Bree lets them know that she's really fine with everything, and later on, after her mom's leave the room, she opens the first of the three letters from the safe. The letter has a key, a hand-drawn map, and a note that tells her to follow the map and to open the second letter when she reaches the gate. After letting mom know that she was going to explore outside, she goes off to follow the map. After some plant magically twists and turns um, that would make poison ivy proud she reaches the gate and pulls out the second letter the letter says that this is the garden that stocks the apothecary that has been a pillar of the community for generations to open the last letter once she reaches the moon gate and that all of her questions will be answered but before she can open the gate a stranger stumbles through the brush He's an older man covered in slashes and welts, holding a machete. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Down here. I tried. <laughs> he seems very out of it and calls her Celine, her birth mother's name, while rambling on about how he needs it while coming toward her, disregarding the can of pepper spray in her hand. <laughs> Not that bright. <laughs> and suddenly, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, Barb-covered vines snake out and drag him away <laughs> in a not-so-gentle fashion, giving her enough time to run back home to her mom's. She tells them what happened, and they call Dr. Grant, who rushes over with the cavalry in tow. Bree explains what happened, excluding the part of the heroic vines. While her moms have a freakout, and the back-and-forth over if coming here was a mistake, one of the officers finds the guy and requests an ambulance. He's messed up, but still kicking, thus ending this crazy escapade. Is this really the end of the crazy escapades, though? I mean, come on. Yeah, the end. Right. <laughs> Shall we take a break and have a discussion? <laughs> <laughs> it's only the beginning, Bray. You don't even know. You don't even know. After a sleepless night, the trio decide to head into town and explore. While the moms get distracted by a candle store, Bree escapes and checks out the bookstore. 
While going through the store, she finds a bin full of field journals marked for $2.50 apiece. Huzzah! Books for all! God bless Suddenly, <laughs> Suddenly, there is a crash, and she finds a young guy buried under a pile of books. She helps up the clumsy guy named Carter while asking about the books, and he just gives her the entire box of field journals. This isn't a thing that happens. Never. This is rom-com material right now. This entire scene. It really, scene. really is. I want someone to give me a box of books. What the hell? <laughs> give me a box of books and I'm yours. Yeah. So Carter is adorably awkward and they discuss books and the town. He also recommends a restaurant for her and her moms to check out. And they invite him along because... Again, seriously, her moms are just the best people Parental goals. ever. Parental they're, goals. They're so great. They're so great. They all have a fun time eating yummy food and getting to know each other until it's time for Carter to get back to work at the bookstore. Bree walks him back, and they bump into the attorney who brought them into the town in the first place, Mrs. Redmond. Turns out that Carter is Mrs. Redmond's son, and the resemblance is striking. After that fun encounter, Bree and Carter exchange numbers and agree to hang out again sometime. Ooh. Ooh. The next day, she makes it back to the garden gate. No machete-wielding creeps this time. Phew. Thank she goodness. Heads it. Thank goodness. It's nice when that's, you know, is, you know, the difference and not the norm. She heads in and it's like straight out of the secret garden. Lots of dead plants, yet such beautiful potential. She walks through it until she makes her way to a circular archway that can only be the moon gate and opens the last letter. It explains how this gate leads to the poison garden and how a normal person can't even walk in and survive. But thank goodness Bree isn't normal and needs no sort of protection. She heads in and besides a tingling sensation in her throat and nose, she feels perfectly fine. After exploring the Tim Burton-esque garden, she returns home with a lot on her mind. She then gets a text from Carter using an excuse of finding more field journals for her if he could come over. When he comes over, Bree decides to go on a little trip to the hospital to see the machete guy to, you know, maybe ask him details about Celine and Cersei since he knew about the garden. It's not normal. You just, mm-hmm. don't, you just don't go to the hospital to see the machete guy. Yeah, never, ever go to the hospital to see a machete guy it, it just i would not recommend it the, the only time somebody can say oh yeah i've got a machete guy is if that person is danny trio can he be the machete guy he is the machete guy he's like i've got a machete guy it's a me <laughs> danny trejo can do no wrong he can't even if he is wielding a giant machete it's fine that's that's an exceptional Danny Trio moment if he's wielding a machete. Yeah. <laughs> anywho. Uh, anywho. <laughs> Carter causes a scene, allowing Bree to sleep in the police guarded hospital room to talk to Machete Guy. He explains how he has diabetes and was in search of an herb. Celine and Cersei, Bree's bio mom and aunt, grew to help with it. With that, Cersei closed the apothecary ten years ago, and he. He was just getting desperate. Bree agrees to get him the herbs that he promises to not come by the property ever again. He agrees and Bree leaves. Hey, that runs. He agrees and Bree leaves. <laughs> when Carter and Bree get back to the house, 
he invites her out for breakfast the next day. Although Mo jumps in and invites Carter to home cooked breakfast there. <laughs> God bless Mo. <laughs> in her eavesdropping ways. Oh, Mo. <laughs> While looking at the map of the garden in her room, she notices that there is a missing piece near the poison garden and runs off to check it out. The vines pick her up and take her to the back wall, revealing a door with a crest showing three faces of a woman and a keyhole. Not having the key, Bree returns home for the night. While searching through the turret for any sign of the missing key, she gets lost in the books surrounding her. They're all about Medea and Hecate. She talks to Mo, wanting to learn more about them, and Mo gives her the email address of a friend who is into Greek mythology to help her. Not like, you know, Google is a thing or anything, but still. Greek mythology professor, she might know some more stuff. As they're talking, Mom calls up, saying that Bree has a guest. It's the stranger from their first night in the house that disappeared. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Moore doesn't seem to recognize her, which is probably for the best. Her name is Marie, and she's Machete Guy's granddaughter, and is the most striking person Bree has ever seen. Bree invites her to the apothecary for the mixture for the machete guy, whose name is Alec, by the way. I prefer machete guy. I prefer machete Wait. guy as well. He must change it on all his records. I was tempted when writing the summary just to leave it as machete guy the entire time, but I... It's I, an established figured, canon now. Yeah. I figured it'd be easier just to call him Alec, but... No, yeah. machete, Go machete guy. Machete Can we do a con- control replace, please? <laughs> Marie isn't very sympathetic towards Alec, a.k.a. Machete Guy, saying he always rushes into rash situations and <laughs> that he has to deal with the ramifications. Sorry, rash. Rash situations. Yeah. Is very <laughs> Brie confronts her over being the trespasser the other night and Marie agrees, saying that it wasn't the best first impression. They talk while Brie gets the mixture ready and Marie makes a request for rosary peas. Harmless in the dried out pea form, but poisonous to cultivate. They exchange numbers with Marie offering to talk about anything Brie would like. Brie then discusses the option of reopening the apothecary with her moms, since that's why people have been showing up on the property and they'd only sell what she'd grow. After agreeing to give it a go, Brie gets ready for bed and discovers that the fireplace in her room isn't real, that it's a door to a secret room. Ooh! <laughs> The next day, Carter comes over for breakfast, which ends with flaming waffles because Mo can't cook breakfast for some reason. (laughs) I love Mo. Oh, bless. She tries. She tries so hard. Uh, While walking around outside talking, Carter notices how the tall grass responds to Bree. She makes the brave decision to tell him the truth about her powers and takes him to see the garden. Carter is enthusiastic and curious. He even wants to check out the poison garden section. But the air is so toxic, he can only stand being in there for less than a minute. They talk about how Brie wants to reopen the apothecary and that she needs help with getting the garden back into shape and ask for his help. They spend the next week gardening and getting the place cleaned up. Hmm. Who in the right mind would want to check out the poison garden? I yeah, know. I want to go into the room that would kill me just by stepping in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's degrees of being able to access a poison yeah. garden, and this one's pretty high on the don't go in there. Don't, don't do it. Don't go in there. Yeah. Mo, Mo and Bree go into town to do some shopping. Bree splits off to go see Mrs. Redmond, hoping she'll have a missing key. She runs into the owner of the candle shop, Mama Lucille, who asks her about reopening her tab at the apothecary once it's up and running again. She also vaguely warns her not to stock any oleander. After that fun encounter, Bree gets a text from Mo to hurry to the grocery store. It turns out someone slashed their tires. Why? Not cool. Not cool. No. Bree then gets a call from Mrs. Redmond, who found a picture that is related to her estate. She warns her to be careful of people who might want to take advantage of her. Pointed look. Yeah. Sorry, excuse me. Totally. She, act- she actually means Marie, but... Pointed look. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Then she makes Bree leave when they notice a news flash about the body of a missing woman that was an old friend. Of Mrs. Redmond's. Mm. Pointed looks all <laughs> over the place. Pointed look TM. Brand. <laughs> You're so pretty right now. <laughs> when Bree gets home, she explores the secret room and discovers a secret compartment under a desk. In it is a sketchbook, most likely her birth mother's, and on the last page of the book is a recipe of some sort, some notes, and the missing key. Yay! Suddenly, she gets a call from Marie, inviting her over to her house to hang out and discuss things. Marie sends a car to pick her up like the lady she is. That's when Marie meets driver slash bodyguard extraordinaire Nix, a six-foot-tall, bald Amazon of a woman. Nix brings her to the small library inside the house where Marie is. Marie shows Brie around the house, that's practically a museum, while talking about Circe, what is behind the door in the poison garden, some sort of plant, and how the women in Brie's family are known to die suspiciously. <gasps> Ooh. I love Nix. Yay. Yay, Nix. Yeah, I like Nix too. Brie has night fans. Nix! The next day, Bree rushes to the poison garden to open the secret door. Just ig- ignores everything Marie told her and warned her about. She's like, I'm going. Nah, fuck it. I'm her going short-term down there. short-term memory is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Just... Could be a side effect from the poison. Exactly. <laughs> she's, she's immune to poison and common sense. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> It leads down to a small room with a glass enclosure in the middle with a beam of sunlight hitting it. The plant looks just like the drawing in the poison encyclopedia that her birth mother drew. An exact replica of a human heart called Absurdus Heart. Though this one in person looks shriveled and dead. Bree is freaked by the plant and by how toxic it is. So she grabs a bag full of oleander that she was recommended not to pull. She was don't, told not to. Don't get that. Don't get it. Seriously, bad decisions all around today, Brie. What the heck? And runs back home. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
today is brought to you by Bad Decisions and the letter P for poison. <laughs> As she returns from the garden, she encounters a new apothecary customer, an alchemist, who shows her some magical fun with herbs before leaving with some sulfur. Later, Carter comes around to take Bree to the movies, and with a little demonstration with some flowers, he reveals to the moms that he knows about Bree's powers. Everyone is happy to have it all out in the open. Halfway through the movie, two guys in black come in and sit right in front of them, and two more sit in the back row. One thing leads to another, and they end up being chased by the guys in black. They make it to Carter's truck and drive off until they see a car belonging to one of the public safety people. Dr. Grant comes soon after, and Bree tells her everything while begging her not to tell her moms because she doesn't want to freak them out. <sighs> Dr. Grant promises to investigate and keep it quiet. Come on. At least she's told Dr. Grant, you know? At least she's told the authority figure. That's true. It make, yeah. that, make, that alone makes a change. When Brie gets home, she finds a photo album and sees pictures of her birth mom, Selena, pregnant with her, making her decide that she does want to learn more about her. She texts Marie, taking her up on her previous offer to take her to the family's grave plot. Marie leads her to the graves, and Brie sets down the flowers she brought on Selene's grave. Marie tells her about her birth family and how she was best friends with a relative of theirs back in the day. Bree is confused by this because she sees the grave of this relative who died in 1680. <laughs> What's going on? But before Marie can explain, they are attacked by the same guys from the movie theatre. They want Bree and threaten to kill Marie if she gets in their way, which just makes her laugh. <laughs> While Marie is fighting the guys, handling them like ragdolls, these poisonous vines straight out of Jumanji wrap around Brie and shoot poisonous darts at whoever comes near her. Yeah. <laughs> Lo lots of movie references this book. Lo lots of movie references. I did not help the situation. Nope. <laughs> not at all. Nope. <laughs> They make it to the car, and while driving off, Marie starts explaining everything to her, with Nick's up front adding colorful commentary. Love, <laughs> love, love, love it. Nick's, you awesome. Ne never stop being you. <laughs> the men want Brie for the absurdist heart. Back in the day, Brie's relative used it to heal her, and the protection of the heart has been passed down through her family for generations. The heart can prevent any impending death and grant immortality. Brie is obviously freaked out by all this. Mostly that the girl she likes is over 300 years old and could easily kill her. She's such she she's robber from the grave here, isn't she? <laughs> like, hey Marie, grave robber. <laughs> okay. hmm. uh, they talk it out and Brie calms down. And they agree that Brie will go to the coroner to discuss what happened to her birth mom and aunt, while Marie will talk to Dr. Grant about the men that attacked them. The and who are now dead. Yes. P.S. <laughs> oh, well. Too bad, so sad. <laughs> the next day, with back from Carter, Brie goes to the funeral home. They meet Lucifer, the coroner. <laughs> I love that nice. his name is Lucifer. Nice. I love it. This town's characters are great. I love it. 
who is not a fan of Marie. But aside from his lovely attitude, he helps them with what information he can give. He goes into detail about how her family members died, mostly homicide and accidents. It, that Celine was shot and killed in the woods and the murder is still unsolved and how Cersei has just been missing the entire time. She's not dead that anyone knows of. She's just gone. She's just being declared dead. Ooh. Legalities. Yeah. When Marie and Brie get together later, Brie explains everything she discovered. How much Lucifer hates Marie. About how everyone in the family died. How Cersei is only missing and could possibly be alive. And thanks to an email from Moe's college friend that Medea was a real person with similar powers. She also brought this old looking parchment she found earlier in Celine's sketchbook that looks related to Medea. They take it up to Alec slash machete guy to translate. (laughs) It tells the true story of Medea. She was the niece of the sorceress Circe and follower of Hecate and she and her brother Absurdus were gifted with immunity to all poisons. Jason from the Argo tricked her into thinking her father and brother were going to sell her to the highest bidder, but because he loved her, he would protect her from them. So they went off in search of the Golden Fleece, but after many years and three children, Absurdus finally caught up to them and told Medea the truth. Angrily, Jason and his men grabbed the children and her brother, holding them hostage. If Medea doesn't get them the Golden Fleece, he will kill her family. Medea, with help from Hecate, got the fleece and made a poison to kill Jason. But sadly, he made the children try it first, killing them. What a jerk. (laughs) Then he killed her brother by chopping him into six pieces. Yikes. Yeah. Hecate came and killed all of Jason's men, though Jason himself escaped, and luckily Medea's children inherited her poison immunity, thus survived. They spent the rest of their days in Circe's island, where they buried the pieces of Medea's brother from which weird plants sprouted and were fed with their blood and moonlight. That's not normal. No! After hearing the story, Brie decides she wants to show Marie and Carter the heart, to have no secrets and to have help on figuring out what to do about it. They fight about it, but eventually Marie agrees to see whatever Brie wants to show her. You know, the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sure. that's yeah. what you mean, Marie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you totally yeah. want to see the heart, not the. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you literally spelling out boobies? It feels like you're literally saying Marie wants to see her boobies. Pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what. I'm pretty sure that's what's actually happening right now. Yeah. Likely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> yep. Carter joins up with Brie and Marie at the house. Bree leads them to the turret to show them the picture of the heart in the poison encyclopedia. She explains how she now knows how to cultivate the heart, thanks to the story she and Marie heard, and goes on about her revelation on how she believes she's related to Medea. Uh, They make it to the garden in the heart's room. Special thanks to Marie for carrying Carter like a baby using super speed (laughs) to avoid the poisonous air in the garden. I love it so much. (laughs) Hold on, spider monkey. (laughs) (laughs) She she 
them the heart and then feeds it a drop of her blood. It moves, freaking Carter out, who then books it like a white cat. (laughs) Bree goes after him to protect him from the other poisonous plants, but twists her ankle in the process. Marie does her Edward Cullen move to get Carter out of the poisonous (laughs) garden. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get vampires in every single episode, just just you see. You can't avoid it. It cannot be avoided. Carter is freaking out, but overall okay. Bree says she'll explain everything to him later, but they need to keep quiet and get home since her ankle is hurt. They return to the house and make a salve for her ankle. You also learn how to carry people like a spider monkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a question. Would Marie be technically a vampire? I mean, there's been no mention of blood drinking, but she has the speed of it. She has the immortality of it. Just, mm. just, she's pretty much a vampire without the fun blood drinking. But she's not a vampire. And the sparkles. Sparkles are not necessary. In fact, sparkles are, are very unnecessary. Well, she's she very probably important. is sparkly anyway, just because she's so pretty. She it sounds spark- like she would douse herself in body glitter. She would. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure out in future books. Maybe. We'll be yeah, back here June is. next year. Yes, yeah. exactly so. I can't wait. The next day while cleaning, Bree's duster got caught on something in the wall, making it open. I love all these secret passageways. She summons her moms to come and check out the hidden room in the hallway. It looks to be an altar dedicated to Hecate with a picture of Bree as a baby amongst the offerings. A baby? It's a baby. I don't know how I feel about this. That's adorable. I'm reserving judgment. I mean, you don't, you you haven't done any research into Hecate at all, so let's not freak out quite yet. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, having a picture of seeing a picture of yourself on an altar in general as an offering, anyone all as an offering. (laughs) Is it an offering, or is it like this is the person we want you to protect? So it could go either way. At this point, a certain person is not using her Google privileges. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and we actually do know what happens at the end of the book, but still. It's weird. There's hinky things going on all over the place. I will grant you that. And it would be off-putting to find this, but like, see previous Google comment. So yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, after discovering all of this, Brie tells her moms the truth about everything. The immunity to poisons, the relation to Medea, the poison garden, being attacked, and, you know, the absurdist heart. The moms once again show how amazingly awesome they are by being the most understanding and supportive people ever. Literally ever. Not tell them at the from the get-go. Why? Teenagers, man. Teenagers. Yeah, but when your moms are that awesome. True. True. There's no reason. There's no reason. Tell them. To be fair, they are very stressed at the beginning. You know, financial stresses and the stress of the move. And, you know, they are basically in the whitest community there ever was white. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give her a pass. Just this once. 
Ah, uh, yeah. We'll not give them a Passover breakfast. We'll give them a Passover and evening meal. Everyone gets one. <laughs> Anywho, after all that loveliness, Moore goes to the city to help with stuff with the flower shop while Brie and her mom chill and be, you know, completely adorable and that we know and love. Yeah, they're amazing. But then stupid Carter comes in, <laughs> bursting the bubble, looking all upset, needing to talk to Brie alone. Oh, man. Mm-mm. He's telling her that they have to leave right now. Like, dude, why? Context yeah. is key. Finish, finish your sentences, Carter. Or just, you know, use the sentence. It's just get out. You've got to get out now. It's like, come on. Anyhow, Brie and her mom repeatedly ask him to leave, but he's so insistent that they need to leave. It's it's crazy. Doctor Grant comes by during all of this and scares Carter off. That's hinky. She then asks how well they know Carter, that he and his mother have only been in town for six months. Uh-huh. And all of their personal information seems pretty suspicious. She also explains how she was friends with Bree's birth mother and feels like she failed her the night she was killed and feels like she's failing all over again with keeping Bree safe. That's putting a lot on yourself, Dr. Grant. It really yeah. is. Not long after, Dr. Grant leaves and Carter's mom, Mrs. Redmond, comes by, looking very rough and beaten up. She's very gruff with Bree and her mom, saying there's an issue with the bank and that they have to vacate the house immediately. Bree's mom is obviously pissed. And Bree wants to go talk to the bank herself. But Mrs. Redmond is having none of that and just hands them paperwork, saying there's nothing that can be done and demands that they hand over the keys. Literally, there and then. No, Mm -hmm. love. No. No, We have inquiries to make. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Fanny threatens her to keep her away from her daughter, making Mrs. Redmond run, but not without a throwback comment about how they need to return the keys when they leave or she'll put out a warrant for their arrest. This woman sucks. Yeah. Hate you. Hate you. Yeah, she's she's the worst. She is. She is the epitome of garbage people. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm. Okay. Bree leaves for town, going to all the banks to find out which is in charge of her home, with her ID and Mrs. Redmond's paperwork. By the fourth bank, she finally gets a hold of someone who knows of the situation. But the problem is, there is no will at all, and the paperwork given to her by Mrs. Redmond was flagged as invalid because it went missing. Yikes. Apparently, they were just going to auction the house off until a woman from the adoption agency came to them with information about Bree being the last living relative. So they drafted up papers and were going to deliver them to her a couple weeks ago, but the woman in charge of the case went missing and very recently was found murdered. Yikes. Pointed luck. Pointed luck. Pointed luck. <laughs> uh, Bree explains how they came to be here. and The bank woman is shocked by all of this. She says they need to fill out the updated paperwork with her guardian present and that the eviction notice is fake and that they need to call the police ASAP. Bree tries to get a hold of her mom, but gets no answer. Yikes. Not good. Yikes. yikes. All of the yikes. Wooga, wooga, the bombs are blaring. <laughs> After getting a sinking feeling... Bree decides to go back to the house and bring her mom to the bank. On her way there, she gets a phone call from Mo and fills her in on how everything was orchestrated by Mrs. Redmond just to get the absurdist heart. When Bree gets to the house, 
She can't find her mom, but finds a note that tells her to look outside the window. No, 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 no. Outside, Mrs. Redmond, the drama queen that she is, <laughs> has a knife to Bree's mom's throat. God damn it. She demands that Bree take them to the heart now, and that if she tries anything, then she'll slit her mom's throat. Uh-uh. They get to the poison garden, and Bree tells Mrs. Crazy Pants that she can't go into the room because it's dangerous. <sighs> Mrs. Redmond tells her that she's not the only one related to greatness, that she is the descendant of Jason himself, and that she is the one that deserves the heart. She wants it. She'll kill for it. <laughs> she already has, and heavily implies that she killed her birth mother and the woman from the bank. <sighs> she needs the heart to become immortal to find the gods that still walk amongst us. They go into the room, and Mrs. Redmond slices open her hand to feed the heart more blood that it needs. Yikes. 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 All of the yikes. <sighs> the three head back to the house with the heart and into the apothecary. With Mom tied up, Mrs. Redmond summons Carter and has him hold the knife to Bree's mom's throat, while she forces Bree to make an elixir with the heart. The living elixir. With the elixir complete, Bree gets in the struggle with Carter to keep it away from them. But Mrs. Redmond grabs a fistful of oleander and shoves it into Thandy's mouth, saying it looks like I get the chance to make you motherless a second time in this life. Oh, burn. Bitch! Oh, Should not have brought the oleander up. Oh, Ray! Should have listened to the candle lady. She's... God dang it. That's when Mo kicks through the door and makes it over to them, but she's too late. Thandy oh, no. is gone. Oh, Filled with no. anger and grief, Bree lets go and vines shoot up everywhere, grabbing both Mrs. Redmond and Carter. Though her focus is on Mrs. Redmond, and Carter uses that to get himself away from the vines. Oh, man. Oh. Strangle her with the vines. Mm. Yeah. Get, get, get her. Get her. As he tries to escape the room, he is stopped by a giant black dog and a tall woman in a cloak. The dog pounces on Carter as the woman goes to Bree and asks her to release Mrs. Redmond. The cloaked woman crushes Mrs. Redmond's hand, making the vial of elixir fall to the counter. The cloaked woman then asks Katerina Valak, a.k.a. Mrs. Redmond, a.k.a. Crazy Pants, how she found the keepers of the heart. She says the line adjacent still exists and they deserve to use the magic, not Celine's selfish family. Ugh. Um, the cloaked woman throws Mrs. whatever her name is to her dog and he enjoys his new chew toy. The, the cloaked woman reveals herself to be the goddess Hecate, mother of Medea and Bree's family. Hecate <gasps> makes a deal with Bree. She can reunite the six missing absurdus hearts. She will bring Thandy back to life. <gasps> I love a loophole. Yay. Wait, no, you don't. In There's this no instance, option I do because the mobs are amazing. I need a loophole. That's, that's true. Yeah. 
We love you, Mom. We really, really do. We love you, family. Bree calls together Dr. Grant, Marie, and Nix and fills them in on everything that happened and tells them that they have one month to get the hearts together to save her mom. Suddenly, a woman bursts into the house and grabs Marie and starts yelling at Dr. Grant. It's Cersei, Bree's aunt, and she has two containers holding two hearts. They look at each other and realize they have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I love the abrupt ending. Oh, it's so good. Oh, this feels like yeah. it needs to be like a, a, a TV, kind of like Jerry Springer style talk show. Yes. Let's, let's, let's talk about the family history. Oh, man. Let's bring in your long lost aunt who wasn't murdered. <laughs> she was just out on a stroll. She went to go get cigarettes or something. She she's come back. Hey Bree, you didn't know this, but we brought the matriarch of your entire family line, the goddess Hecate. <laughs> and she comes in swinging a chair and hitting everyone. Oh, right. Why don't we go? We'll go and pitch this, and whilst everybody else has a break. Yes. I think idea. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Back in the room. Oleander. Oh my god, Oleander. God <laughs> they said she said no she said no don't get it like girl don't have oleander and she's like oh somebody okay. said something about oleander i better grab a great big handful of it and keep it right here and poison my mother with it it's like listen if you, if somebody's going to tell you about something listen to listen to advice poison advice about poison <sighs> Maybe she's like, I don't need to worry about poison. It's fine. Yeah, but you live with two people who are not immune. It's a shame. It's a shame. I love all the poison, though. Yes. Especially the very, very beginning. And she's like, well, shit. Goodbye, cruel world. Get me some bad She's time. like counting down. She's like, well, this should kill me in approximately 15 minutes. Let's just count it down. And then she's like, oh, maybe I'm fine. Maybe I'm fine. Maybe I should just go and have some pad thai. Maybe some pad thai will just set me up. Yeah. I know pad thai sets me up. Shrug. Shrug. (laughs) Oh, dear me. Right. Standout moments. That's one. Poison. That's one for me. Poison. All poison all the time. All moms all the time. That's two. Yes. Nix. Nix, the giant Amazonian woman who 
I don't know. Did you? Did anybody else get a Koye vibes from Black Panther? Yeah. Yes. That's more visualized. Yeah. Visualized his neck. Yes. Especially just... when she folded up the guys like pretzels. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. It wasn't even like any effort. It was just with a look. I'm just going to fold you up. Yes. What can we create today? And all from quippiness. I I wanted so badly to put him in the in the summary, but just her with Marie, her quippiness with Marie. It's just, mm, I loved it. I loved it. It was dry wit and sarcasm, yeah. which feeds my soul. It feeds yeah. mine too, and I'm just like, I love it. The moms, so much wit and sarcasm and just loveliness. Love it. Next, try with sarcasm. Just like there's so much goodness, I can't fit it all. See, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about the book—the fact that there was actual communication. Because we know one of the pet hits we have on Fictional Hangover is when people don't communicate, and Bree just wants to be open with her friends and say, "This is what I can do. Please accept me." You know, she wants to communicate that. She communicates with her parents, but. Mm. Granted, she doesn't want to worry them about the assault, but there's a lot of things going on in their lives which I can understand why she might want to go, right, at the moment, can we just not tell them and keep them, not, you know, lying to them, but just, like, they don't need to know right now because they've got so many other worries on their plate. Putting this on there is going to potentially break them. So let's let's back off. So it was more of a caretaking than holding out yeah. but then when she does have problems you know she does want to talk to them and they do want to talk to each other and there's just this lovely this lovely communication that happens and Marie's like yeah ask me a question and I'll answer it and it's like she does you know it doesn't it takes far too long to find out that she's 300 years old because I think as a reader we figured that one out quite quickly yeah. but it takes Brie a little while before she gets there so there's this lovely communication threaded throughout and it's just so refreshing yes. oh. I like that Marie wasn't at all shy about saying oh yeah this uh yeah I was best friends with you know your relative and like she she doesn't not mention it she just doesn't say you know oh yeah i i was best friends with your relative who ps if you haven't picked up on it already was alive in the 1600s but like she doesn't not say that she just is like oh yeah it was my internet i got freaked out i really liked her but it's very obvious that you know that relative was alive hundreds of years ago oh yeah 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 I like the way that it was done. It was like, there's the gravestone. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's do some quick head maths. And oh, then no. realise what's gone on. And then the bad guys attack. And then, you know, everybody's kicking ass. Yeah. I think there's a website. Yeah. Is it- I think there's like a, hench- a henchman's are us kind of website. See, Mrs. Redmond must obviously use Google. And Google's, where can I get effective henchmen? I mean, they're not effective henchmen, let's face it. They're pretty rubbish. Um, But yeah. I don't know. I don't get how she can afford this shit. I mean, again, they must come from a very wealthy family because Carter is just giving books away. And it's... And is it... Is it even their bookshop? Is it even their books that he's giving away? Because they've only been there for six months. Carter's giving books away because he needs to give the books away to ingratiate himself and to 
with Brie. It's all a ploy. Apparently it was like a game shop or something. They, they mentioned in the book that it was something before they moved in. Who have they murdered? Yeah. It was a it was a cafe before they moved in and then it turned into a bookshop and it's only been a bookshop for six months. Though they made it out to be a lot longer and they've only lived there, like you say, Amanda, for six months. I would question what's happened to the previous owner and whether or not they are actually, you know, retired in Florida or if they're retired six feet under. Yeah. Knowing Mrs. Crazy Pants, it's the latter. Yeah. I mean, from the outset, mm-hmm. did you guys not think that Carter was completely hinky? Like, there was something weird about him. I mean, free books aside, they were in the, you know, the two, what, two, two and a half dollar basket. So they might just be like, please just take it off our hands. But, you know, you would sell them for a dollar, not like for free. So, I don't know. He seemed too desperate. I just kind of thought he was pathetic. Really desperate. And there was just something a bit odd about him. I was like, I'm not, I'm not keen on Carter. He seemed a little too enthusiastic. Yeah. Like, when she took him to the garden, like, he was just very gun-ho, which I'm just like, I'd expect a little hesitation. I mean, he's just a regular human guy. just found out this girl he's been, like, really, like, trying to hang out with and stuff has powers and he's not weirded out at all by it she wants to take him to her garden and poison garden and just like i would be like don't kill me don't don't bury me in your poison garden please but no he's just like yeah let's go i want to see it i want to go in that poison garden yeah take see, me in i just thought he i just thought he was pathetic i thought he was pathetic and he wanted a friend yeah. and then even at the end like it was see, like he didn't want to hurt her he didn't. He didn't want any of this bad stuff to happen. So I think he's gonna be redeemed in the end. I think you're Probably. right. I think you're right. He he did want a friend. He was desperate. It was like, I mean, what do you do with those situations where your your mom is an absolute dipshit, a her, horrible, hurtful person, treats you like crap. He's being abused. I mean, he might not be beaten, but he's certainly been psychologically abused by his mother. And forced into these violent, horrible situations. What do you do? You know how how do you survive that? He's what sixteen. Can he break away from that? It's difficult. And he sees this ideal situation with Bree and her moms, and he must be so envious of that. That is like she has the best parents. Just just the yeah. best. I just I feel like Carter. He was he was in with his mom at the beginning, but then like he meets Bree and he yeah. meets her moms and it's like oh this is what a family's supposed to be like. So like he's still kind of going along with his mom, but he would really rather yeah. be a good guy. I agree. I think you're right. Um, the only thing. <sighs> mm-hmm. My only hesitancy to fully be on board with that, like 100, I'm like 98%, is at the end, he does hold the knife to her mom's throat. And it's not like a weak hold, it is a hold with intent. Um, Like, you know, if she sneezed, dead. Um, So I think there's still. But then actually, it could be the oppressive nature of his mom forcing that. It is reluctant, but he's still quite forcefully keeping. Bree's mom captive 
So he's 98% there, really. Yeah, but... And he scarpers quite quickly away from his mom. He doesn't want to be a sorcerer. Yeah, and he her. went there first and was like, I don't have to time I don't have time to tell you to to go, but you need to go. You need to get out of here. You need to leave. Yeah. So I really think that yeah. he's going to be a good guy at the end. I think he's going to he's going to have a redemption. I'm troubled by that necessarily, but I think you know how I like people not necessarily to be redeemed, yeah. but I think actually yeah. with given who his parent is, I don't mind so much. Yeah. I don't mind him breaking away from that and turning his life around he's only 16 it's not like he's 60 and been you know doing the genocide and stuff yeah. i i think it's safe to say we we all hate mrs yes. redmond well yeah <laughs> yeah ofs yeah ofs yeah yeah she hands down garbage person has has a killing problem yeah, and yeah Do you know, there was, like, I loved every single thing about this book. Every single thing about it. But there is one tiny problem that I did have with it. What? They have their flower shop set up in New York. And they get their, like, little neighborhood friend. Yeah, I'm going to come back a few times every week. But does that actually happen? Like, once or twice, I feel like. But I, I thought that Mo was supposed to go back, you know, often. But I feel like it only happened, like, once. Yeah. But in defense of that, we're mostly following Brie. And we don't really see what really the moms do while Brie is having her gardening montage. And, and that's true, no. I guess. Um, no, I think like, you've got a point there, Amanda, because they make a very big deal about saying she is going to New York. And there's never any reference to going to New York and not being there. Every time she's picked up the phone or something's happened, both moms have been in the town or in the house. Yeah. So there's, I think, but to be fair, there might have just been, you know, first couple of weeks, we'll let you, you know what, if I'm leaving my business to a little person that part-time work, what comes works part-time. And gets paid in bagels. In New York. It gets paid in bagels. I'm going to be checking on them constantly i'm not i'm gonna be like after two days going down they could be on the phone to them quite regularly but yeah. there's only one actual physical visit but yeah yeah i think you're onto something there. or maybe they just don't care they're like yeah you know we get they, yeah. they arrive and they're like yeah we don't need that flower shop anymore we got this huge mansion and it's full of poisons and there's an apothecary and these random people keep showing up with hundred dollar bills We've got an apothecary we don't need that it anymore. has no overhead apart from some paper bags. Yeah, we don't need it anymore. Don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. It's fine. It's fine. How many hundred dollars do you have in your wallet? Yeah, yeah, six. I'll take all of that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. But that's that. literally the only issue I had with this entire book. And this book was kind of long and really great. And if yeah. that's the only even halfway issue that I have, that says great things about it. My issue, if we're going to do the issues, my one and sole issue is at the very end, Brie takes freaking forever trying to find the bank that's, you know, holds the lease to the property. Surely that would have been named on the paperwork. Yeah. So she go, okay, there's like this tiny little town has about six million banks, which I get. You know, the banks for days everywhere. But 
if it is such a small little town as well, surely, surely somebody from the bank would have gone, hang on, did you know the spookiest it's been? There's people living in there. There shouldn't be anybody living in there. What's going on? You know, yeah, or, that was my issue that it took so long for the bank to realise that somebody's living yeah, in there. Yeah, or she could have just called them all. Be like, hey, do you know this? Excuse me, hi. Uh, do you know about the creepy house? No? Okay, cool. Yeah, but she'd be on hold forever. It's <sighs> never easy to get the bank on the phone. It would be those um, IVR machines as well where it's like, Please tell us what your query is. Press one for this. Press two for that. I probably would be doing both. I'd probably be visiting banks and calling at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, my that was, issue. <laughs> that was one of my things. I was just like, why was there nothing? Because it's not like Mrs. Redmond forged it from the get-go. She stole it from the bank. It, it was invalid missing paperwork. It would have so it should have had like it should have had the bank name. It, it should have had all that stuff on it. It would have had letter heading. It would have had watermarks. It would have had the name of the bank in bold on the paperwork. Yeah. It would have named the bank. But yeah, it just that that was my my one and only thing. But for yeah. dramaticness to allow time for Mrs. Redmond to go and kidnap one of the moms, it needed to be done, which is fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I absolutely adore the house though. Like the image that popped into my yeah. mind straight away was the Adams family house and all those <laughs> creepy you know, the false walls and hidden rooms and scary doors. I'll be like, Yes, I'm living there. I'm who like- who doesn't want to live in the Adams family house? Especially uh, if it came with the Adams family. That's a, that's another supportive family right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. What I'm I, here for it. What I didn't realise, because I, I very rarely read the summaries, like, I would have read this book regardless because Cinderella is dead is so good. So, Caelan <laughs> Baron is such a good writer, I would have read the next thing regardless of what it was, the, what the summary was about. I didn't realise how much Greek mythology was going to be interwoven in the story i didn't realize that and i really like that yeah me that. too that was like that was my surprise i didn't realize that it was greek mythology it it shook me too i was just like i i had a my vibes from when i was like first reading it was kind of like poison ivy meets charmed in a way just kind of like discovering her family has some witchy plant magic going on and just discovering her roots yeah but <laughs> but then they just throw in this whole greek mythology stuff into it and i'm just like oh okay all right i'm down let's see where this goes it was really neatly done as well very smart it was a, she's obviously thought about it a lot to make it work and where it has and I really appreciate that it's not just I want to use Greek mythology throw it in she's really really thought about the history behind it and I really really like that I really liked how many like contemporary references were thrown in I liked all of the like the movie stuff that was thrown in and I really really liked how funny the moms were especially after they uh, after Mo 
burns the waffles and she's like, oh yeah, my breakfast is lit because I lit the kitchen on fire. Yep. <laughs> like, <"Wah, wah." laughs> or, or how when uh, uh, Brie and Carter go off to the movies and she comes home and they're in bed, Fandy is painted with more of the salve and they're playing Uno and it's just like guys playing our kinky uno and i just like yes yep. yes yeah oh, they're the sweetest like, we need to find all of the absurdest heart we need to rescue mom we, we need to make sure that they live happily ever after we do can can i say i have a little prediction of that um hecate made the same deal with cersei to bring back that's why she left to go, like, left right after Selene died to go get the hearts. Obviously, did not get a timetable like Bray did, but um, I, I think that might become a conflict between uh, Bray and Cersei about who's going to get bring back. They may think that bringing the hearts together will only bring one person back. So it might be a thing between birth mom Selene. Or awesome, awesome, just pure amazingness, Fandy. It, it it might become a conflict. Yeah, and uh, who's to say it? And who's to say it's Cersei that Celine wants to bring back, or the other way around? Who's to say it's Celine that Cersei wants to bring back? Yeah. The other question is, is, wouldn't want to bring their sister back. Well, I mean, it's been ten years. You move on. Also, but who says uh, she's going to let them stay in the house? It's her house. It's her house. She doesn't have to let them. I mean, to be fair, though, there's some legalities involved because she's been declared legally dead. So that needs to be yeah, sorted that'll out take, before she can That'll take at least a year house. of paperwork. Oh, at least. And then it'll be in triplicate and it'll be lost because it can only be processed in person and not virtually. Yeah. 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 The other question I have, I'm posing to the group... They need to bring together all six of these absurdist hearts. Yeah, Marie's got one. Marie's got one. They already have one that they that the elixir was done, so that's two. And then Cersei has Cersei two. Cersei another two. So there's two. There's two more. to find. But how do you get it out of Marie? Do you need to extract it from Marie, or does Marie count? I think that Marie will count. Yeah. Do they have to plant her and then? You know, maybe sprout. maybe or they can just like bleed her out but she's immortal so she'll yeah. do that maybe they have to cut off like cut off her hand and plant her hand and nyx just holds her there but doesn't have to raise her arms because she's so tall just holds her there yeah. maybe that maybe that's what happens nice who knows only kaylin we'll find next year We'll find out June next year when this wicked fate is released. Yeah, we need we yes, need to know. Need we need to force the author to join us too. Yes. Ah, uh, it might have been tentatively penciled in for August already on our ID. Yeah, list. yeah, it probably is. <laughs> what I love is how Cinderella's dead. Solid book, mm-hmm. loved it. And her second book, solid book. Nowhere near related. I mean, great character, person of color characters, great. 
it it was hard to touch on it in the summary, but all of them are persons of color and they are beautiful. They're gorgeous. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And they're amazing. My favorite part, it's my great. favorite part about that is that, yes, it's very obvious if you're reading the book that they're all like beautiful black women, but they're just people. They're just people at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I agree. I I really agree. I also really... I also like the... No, I was just going to say, I also like how much time in the beginning Brie spends, like, doing her hair. And she's so excited when she gets her own bathroom. And she's like, yay, I'm so excited. I don't have to deal with my mom accidentally eating ice cream, even though she's lactose intolerant, and having to come in and use the bathroom while I'm fixing my hair. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. I love it so much. And then when we go, yes, and then it's received, it's, it's, we revisit that at the estate when she's like, I'm going to do my hair and spends hours yes. being able to do it. And not once does the mom come in <laughs> and have to poop with her suffering. She doesn't have, have to, to come poop. in and have to poop. It's amazing. It's really it's amazing. I also love the LGBTQ relationships in it yes and how it's not a thing they just are and it's so people are just people i love it they're they're not just like waving it in your face like here you go it just is and it's it's beautiful it's just so good it's how it should be it's exactly how it should be people are just people and you judge them by their character and that's it I just, I love that there was no real storyline about them struggling to be accepted by people no. or being persecuted for that aspect of no, themselves. Just, it just is. Just, it's just there. Just people yeah. and it's just great. It was almost the yeah. casualness of Brie saying like her boyfriend that she had was, you know, it didn't work out. And then when she had a girlfriend, again, you know, she didn't yeah. feel like she could be herself because of the... the plant powers but now with marie and she's like "Mm, marie it's just yeah she's she's bi and that's beautiful and let's move on because it's who she is and just accepting people for except for for for, for who they are is exactly what society needs and i really like the fact that the community defunded the police yes yes i was like way to go ryan back and how uh mo was like Wow, it sounds like you guys are ahead of New York City and all that stuff. You're ahead of the rest of the world. It's like, yeah, yeah I love that. I actually think that should be a thing. Yeah, just yeah. Have have the little buffer thing and just yeah, it'd be really focus great. on the other stuff mm-hmm. the community it'd needs. Be really great. So what we're agreeing is that Kaylin Byron needs to like you know run for mayor, for Congress, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Senate. I don't know what you want, President. Yeah, we'll all vote for you. Office. We'll just say office. Yeah. She needs to run for office. Write the legislature and get this in yeah. place. Yeah, we'll all vote for you. We'll campaign. Yeah. Whatever I, you need. Can, can I vote? I mean, I'm not a United States citizen, mm. but I'll, I'll support. Yeah. Yeah. You'll wave a flag in the background. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. Can we do that? Can we force her to run for office? <laughs> Yeah, why not? Okay. If we write it down, 
we will uh <laughs> it will happen yes <sighs> so good is it time i think it might be time i feel like we've talked about it we've talked about everything enough Except for not, because, Yay. like, I could talk about this book for forever, but... I know! Oh. Can I can I say something controversial? What? Potentially oh, controversial. Yeah. Please, Please I do. I didn't like The Secret Garden when I was younger. It really freaked me out. It's so, like, book and adaptations that I've seen. It just, they're just something about it just really scared me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, and I can't pin down... But I just I remember one particular adaptation as a secret garden really creeped me out and I just the concept of it just like it's really scary. It's really, so, so the movie why. freaked you out? There was a there was an ad, yeah, I think there was like a TV or movie adaptation of the secret garden. And then when I tried to read it, I just couldn't get past it. It was just there was something niggly in my brain. It just was like, no, this is this is creepy. And it's not a creepy book, and I know this, but there's something about the secret garden just like really freaks me out. And the other thing I want to tell you that's not controversial, I've been to a poison garden at Annick Castle, which is the Would You Rather picture that was used this week. I've been in there, and it's nothing at all like Breeze, because it's quote-unquote safe. Don't touch the plants, don't take the plants, don't do anything with the plants, but you can certainly walk through it, and you have to be with a guided tour to actually access the poison garden but it is that it's very there's fun. no there's um, no edward cullen running there's no <laughs> edward cullen running no it is behind a locked gate which you can only access with the tour guide and um i do know somebody who had their own poison garden as well with like plants that had to get licensed to have That's interesting yeah wow. very fun very fun so you can have a poison garden you just need a license for certain plants there you go. No oleander. No oleander. No. <laughs> no, no. None. Oleander is bad. No one should ever have oleander. Okay. No. And no. Pl- and please that, be careful with was... water hemlock. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> that uh... just like every time someone told her be careful with this, she just went and did it. Yeah. I'm just like free. These people know shit. Okay. Just don't. Why are you trying to mess with fate? Just, just no. Just don't mess with fate. Don't do it. She, she'll probably do that with cooking as well. It's like you don't need to add any more salt. So she adds in loads of salt and just ruins it. That's my theory. Aww. The only acceptable version of that is with garlic. All garlic, all the time. Yes. The recipe all is garlic, wrong. all the time. I go through so much garlic. I bet that if Mo put garlic in her waffles, they would have been saved. Yes. <laughs> garlic waffles. I'm down. And bacon. I feel like we should try to make garlic waffles and see what they taste like. You could do a savory waffle. No, garlic. but you have to Fine. eat it as if it's breakfast. I'm not I'm not upset by this. I, I you know, I'll go for like instead of syrup, garlic butter. Garlic butter. Yes. Oh. Garlic butter oh. waffles. Mm. I've had my dinner, but I'm hungry now. Get out your <laughs> waffle iron. I will. But make sure your smoke alarm is working. It really is because <laughs> it went off twice today when I was cooking dinner. <laughs> Mo, is that you? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, okay, it's it's time. 
it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Would you rather? We asked you, would you rather inherit a creepy house or a poison garden and apothecary? On Facebook, 60% they want the creepy house, 40% poison garden. On Instagram, 46% said creepy house and 54% said poison garden. On Twitter, it was 58% to creepy house and 42% for poison garden. And on TikTok, 41% wants the creepy house and 59% wants the poison garden. What's TikTok going to do with their poison garden? No, we had some good comments from TikTok again this week. I'm really pleased. And none of them involve eating metal taco trucks or whatever happened last time. Yeah, that was an aberration. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. (laughs) Less than mediocre on TikTok said, I want to be able to sit in a dark room lit by a fireplace with a big chair in my library. So that's basically my reason. So they went with the creepy house, not the poison garden. I'm, I'm like that. I'm like yeah. that. ADHD and Pan Panic on TikTok said, that's a tough choice. I mean, I want to plant Poison Garden at the creepy house. Mm. Okay. Mm. Dakota on Facebook said, Poison Garden, please. I prefer to do the haunting than being haunted in a creepy house. And who wouldn't want to be unharmed by poisons? I know that not everyone likes me. Dakota, oh. no one is trying to poison you, okay? Hopefully. <laughs> no. I hope no one's trying she to. She got enemies. Me. I'm worried. Does she have a nemesis? She might have a nemesis. Maybe. Colin on Facebook says, "Creepy house, please. I wouldn't trust myself with a poison garden. I'm not allowed near poisons or sharp things or blood things. I'm allowed near sponge, though. So that's something." <laughs> Crystal on Facebook said, "Garden and apothecary. I like being outside and gardening and working with a mortar and pestle to make all manner of tonics. Sounds fun." Real Jackson Ford on Instagram said, House, more interesting, and you can make friends with ghosts. I like that. Crinoline Lafroy on Instagram said, I've dreamed of having a poisonous garden ever since I visited the poison garden at Blarney Castle. Just for show, of course. Uh Wink. And Uh an apothecary would be lovely for a bit of puttering about. L20 Kev on Instagram said, I'd be terrible with a poisonous garden, as with my hair fever, even rapeseed tries to poison me. Also, I feel Spooky House would allow me to quit my job and turn it into a bed and breakfast. Only I'd go full Scary Movie 2 style. (laughs) Excellent. Books are forever Mm -hmm. on Instagram said, A difficult decision, but I'd go creepy house. At least with the house, if anyone dies, it's not on you completely. But the garden? Well... Shrug. 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 <laughs> Shrug. Shrug. And Bree Tart on Instagram said, I'd rather get the creepy house. I would kill all of those poor poisonous plants in the garden. And they don't deserve that. No. Constance, do you do Same. you have a song Same. to sing to us about your answer? Yeah. She's a brick. House. She's meant to met it. Just learn it all hang out. <laughs> Excellent. <sighs> really makes your singing oh, comments better when you're actually on the show to <laughs> sing them to us. It makes my life easier because then I actually hear the tune and go, oh, I vaguely know that one. I mean, haunted house, of course. Adam's family, gotta do Adam's family ask. Love it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily come with unfortunately. I'm fine with that. I've done that before, actually. 
Um, funny, funny side thing. Um, there was an apartment that I lived at that had a ghost in it. It liked to unlock and open doors. Like these doors would be fully locked and it would unlock it and open it up. Yikes. It was very inconvenient, but I'm just like, son of a bitch. Can you stop opening my door, please? It was kind of like that. Actually, yes, it happened while I was bathing in the shower. Oh, no. Ghosts are perverts. I mean, seriously. Incorporeal, yeah. you could open a door. You can't be caught. It's like, like, if anybody oh. chooses the superpower of invisibility, you know they're not going to get up to any good. No. Yeah. Look, and if you can open a door, what's to say you can't squeeze a boob? So, I mean... <laughs> exactly. That's a natural equation. Yes. Open door equals squeeze a boob. Yes. I'm a teenager. I'm underage. It, it was a considerate ghost. Oh, no, that's just wrong. The, the ghost should know better. The ghost should know better. <laughs> it was considerate, so no grabbing. That's good. It just liked to open okay. doors. Okay. okay, that's good. That's good, I guess. As long as there was no grabbing, just just the door opening, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what about you, Amanda? I'm going with the creepy house. As much as I like the idea of like growing stuff in a garden, I have just all the secret passages in the house were, it was just amazing. And how many more are there that we don't know about? Yeah. So I want to, I want to explore the house. Same. Give me the creep. I, I do not have a green thumb. I have two house plants, one of which I've, got addicted to coffee and the other <laughs> one drinks tea so i'm i'm no good with plants so give me the house yes please imagine like the spooky potential as well you would have to have a seance room you would have to you know you would have to invite and people turret, over for, for creepy nights yes. exactly you would have to have like you know the haunted house style overnighters it'd be great yeah it would be really yes. great Far too much potential yeah. there. And imagine the library. I know. Oh, you you could you could go full bell. You could have a ladder in the library and go full bell. Yes. You could. It would be great. Perfect. Just don't go full Evie from the mummy. No, just don't knock over all that. the shelves. Don't do that. That's just no. in library like museum libraries, not personal libraries. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. It's a fine line. Got to care. Next question. Next question. Would you rather be able to control plants or be impervious to poison? We're splitting Bree's powers in half. Which half do you pick? I think you've got a question. How often are you going to come across the poison? How often are you going to come across plants? Well, you cut plants all the time. You're surrounded by plants. You know, you go to a park, plants. Yeah, you go outside, there's you grass. You open your front door, look, there's a plant. What if you're just home and then work and then home again? Lockdown. Can't go outside. Coffee addicted plant. What have I said? I could tell my lawn to mow itself effectively. Like, just shrink down. It's fine. So you wanted to cut itself? You wanted to self-mutilate? Self-harming grass. Yes. (laughs) Saves me having to mow the lawn. I want that pear tree that I have to have pears one day. And it's not cooperating. 
It never has a pair. Mm. Your blueberry bush every now and again has a blueberry. But, you know, I'm going to go for control plants and get those suckers to give me some actual fruit. I don't honestly know how often I'm going to come across to poison. I don't know if that... Do I have a nemesis? In the comments, if you're my nemesis, that would be helpful. Um, but yes, I'm going to go for control plants. It seems like it's a much more practical, though I might be getting grass to self-mutilate, but it seems like it's much more useful. Yeah, I think I would go with control plants too. Just so, like, just think of it. You, you crave a certain type of fruit or whatnot, or a vegetable, get a seed or something of it, or you have remnants left over, just like, oh, I really wanted to eat that, take that bit of it. It's true, you would never run out of garlic. No. Oh, Imagine how much you'd yeah. save on grocery bills. Oh. Imagine the grocery bills would just decrease next to nothing because you're producing all of your own fresh fruit and yeah, vegetables. And That's the bulk cost on mine. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, and then you could sell stuff too, so you could make money. Yeah. Farmers market. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Get an allotment. Nice, you know, have a bit of everything. It'd be great. See? Oh, passion fruit is so expensive, but I love baking with it. Just like, oh. So you could grow your own. See, oh, one sad. passion fruit seed, you can have as many as you want. Now, I was going to say that I wanted to be impervious to poison because I feel like that would make me a better supervillain. But now I just, I mean, I could still be a supervillain and be like poison ivy and, you know, grow all the plants and stuff without the actual poison part. So, and then I could make money on the side at the same time. So I guess. Think about Maleficent. Yeah. Supervillain, Maleficent. What does she do? Thorn bushes. She covers the land in thorny groves yeah. so nobody can get by. They're not poisonous, they're just thorns. So you don't have to have poison to be a super true. And poison ivy is a doctor. She scientist, whatever. You could make yourself immune. That's true. You don't have to be born That's with true. it. That's true. I could just immune. slowly poison myself already. <laughs> like um Yeah, you're your you're no killer. killer. You're no killer. You're no killer. You're no yeah. Killer. So I build up an immunity. Yeah. So Jude. Good. You would do a Jude. I would do a Jude. Yep. Do a Jude. <laughs> Everyone go and check out our cruel prince, wicked king, queen of nothing queen of episodes. Nothing. That that one time we were on uh, YA book chat. Everyone go and check oh, out all those. Kill What's our next question? Constance, do you wanna do you wanna do our next question? Love to. Would you rather be descended from Hermes and Jason or Hecate and Medea? I'm kinda torn by this because Brie and her family line they inherited um, immunity to poison from Hecate and Medea, but we don't know anything about the Jason, the Jason Hermes line. Well, we, we inherited as hattery by the sounds of it. Very true. I, I, oh, running away. I, oh, they, yeah. They can run away yeah, they, very well. They inherited ass hattery and cowardice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> the ability to go backwards. <laughs> oh. uh, I struggle with this being one. Being a son of Hermes is never, never easy, no. is it? See, I, I want to throw us back to another episode, the anti-goddess episode, mm. Dara Book. Yeah. Hermes in that book was the best character in all ways. So if I get to be related to that Hermes, I might be down yeah. for it. Yeah, it's like, which Hermes? Do you want anti-goddess Hermes? Hermes in this one, which we don't know anything about. Or um, Rick Ryder, Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Uh, yeah, Percy Jackson or uh, Disney Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> Which Hermes do you want to be descended from? Oh, so many, yeah. so many varieties of Hermes. But what about Hecate? We don't hear much about Hecate. No. Yeah, uh, Laura of Olympus, Hecate. Yes, Constance, we know you've got Laura of Olympus. <laughs> <laughs> the latest episode was great, just FYI. But yeah, Hecate, Hecate is, is not usually, like, when I remember She's not painted in the nicest of colours, like often, you know, because of the the links to the witchcraft. She's all quite often painted in a negative light. Yeah, but think about it. Who are the ones that are painting the light? Well, exactly. Men. Who are men intimidated by? Strong, powerful women. What what is Hecate? A strong, powerful woman. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And if you think about what she's a goddess of... Women, yeah. children, magic. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm Hecate Medea, um, because I don't know enough about the Hermes Jason line apart from, you know, ass hashery, cowardice, Coward. and the ability to go backwards. <laughs> uh, are they good on the stock market? Is, is that how they're able to afford all the henchmen? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hecate and Medea. I, I like the witchiness. I like the witchiness, yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> I always go for witch. Like how you, Amanda, always go for vampire whenever there's a question. I always go for witch. Give me a question where I won't choose witch. Give me, give me, give me, we'll give me. to work on that. Okay, what's our next question? Would you rather be raised by the moms or by Celine and Cersei? The moms. I actually, I actually have a good answer for this. Like, I am not conflicted by this. If, if I was Brie, I would choose Celine and Cersei. Be, as myself, as me, myself, and I, I would choose the moms. I think Constance is trying to do an option C. I think that she is. That was that was. You've basically put picked both of them. You need to pick. You need to pick either. Well, it doesn't say. But that's what you need to decide. You can't say, well, if these situations going to be this. You've heard Would You Rather. You've participated before. I'm not allowing this. (laughs) Just saying. It's not stated that we are as Brie or as ourselves. We never state this, though. We never state this. (laughs) I'm just saying. She's not playing when You have all those powers. Rule breaker. Just stop listening to her. Just stop. Just stop listening well, to her. What, what's your response? Well, yeah. 
my response is the moms because the support <laughs> network that you're going to get with them is absolutely phenomenal with Cersei and Celine, we don't know them for an unknown quantity don't want to try and test that out Amanda, what's your sensible response? I would go with Celine and Cersei because I feel like I'd be able to control my poison more. I would learn more about nice. plants. Nice. But it's, no, all, but it's only you. the we're two of us now, Claire. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're not here. That's what I'm talking cheating. about. They, they be, they... Yeah, we don't like cheaters. What? They, they, they can help her. And hey, Celine, they cared about her. They could have been a good support system the moms are awesome the moms really are awesome. yeah sure but the moms are awesome and i would love to be raised by them they they are amazing i just i would personally love to be like that but for the witchy aspect celine and cersei would be really good in helping brie yeah get a hold of her powers like, yeah just give me a spoonful of we could avoid just, all the oleander we could shit. avoid the whole oleander shit if she just listened and to other people would be alive right now. the oleander that's true. last question would you rather open the door and yeah. find out what your family has been protecting. Or not yes. open the door and heed all of the warnings of everyone that everyone told you about. Keep that door shut. We'd avoid all the oleander shit. And I'm just like, what was the point? I, that was another thing I didn't get. What was the point in opening the door and feeding the plant? Why not just leave it? Why, why do we have to feed it? It just... Just let it be. It's been there like that for over 10 years. What's wrong with that? Leave it shut. Keep everything fine. Let Mrs. Redmond go stir crazy until she reveals herself about it. Yeah, and you know she would have Boom. too. I mean, she was planting all those secrets and stuff everywhere. She is not a patient woman. She is losing no, her marbles. No, she would have broken in. She would have broken in somehow. And then... Your moms would be okay, and you could just stick yeah. your plants on her. Why didn't she? You know when they're the poison yeah. garden and things? Why yeah. didn't she just, like, sneak a vine in the undergrowth with thorns? And then when she steps on it, she's like, it pierces her shoe and poisons, poisons her that way. I know she had, like, a mom by the, the throat and she was going to kill her. But if you couldn't see the attack, she wasn't going to react to the attack. Yeah, I think she could have... I think she could have done something secret with the plants, even though, even though Mrs. Redmond was like, don't you try anything Yeah, she could plants. have done something. I think that she still could have been like, okay, listen. They also had a time constraint because she said, if anything happens to me, if I'm not back at the house uh, in like 20 minutes, Mo is going to Yeah, but killed. okay. But see, then, then what you do is... You use your plant powers and you fill up her corpse with plants and then the plants just Puppet. walk her in and she's like, hey, it's me. Like it. I yep, like it. That's what I would have like yeah. Plus, we know Mrs. Yeah. Redman is the one that shoots poison darts too. So exactly. just open yeah, your mouth. Yeah, and darts come out. So she's like, it's like weekend at Bernie's but worse. You've also got to remember Mrs. Redman is an established liar. Are you really going to believe the fact that in 20 minutes something bad's going to happen? Because I, I really wouldn't. Yeah, like, and and who, what what does she have Would planned? you want to risk Mo? Would you want to risk no, Mo? I don't want to risk Mo. So I'm I'm just going to reanimate her corpse. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing. 
And honestly, we don't even know what, kind of like what we touched upon in the other question. We don't really know what their specialty is. They are descended from Hermes and Jason. They could have an ability like Medea with the control over plants and immunity yeah. to poison. I'm not saying like they have that part. Maybe she's maybe she's and, real fast like Edward Cullen. And we don't know that. And she could just yeah. There wasn't any tells, was there? And go and kill Mo and then she pew, yeah. any tells. Mm-mm. Okay. So no, my answer to this is going to be two no. words. Plausible deniability. Do not open the door. You heed the warnings. You keep that place locked. You found a key. Oh, what's this key? I don't know what this key is for. It's going in this drawer. With all the wires and other bits and pieces that you find across the house. And you put it with the old receipts. Yeah, so you don't drawer. need to keep this receipt anymore. And- but you never know. So you're going to put it in there. And what's this button from? What do I find where that yeah. button is? Put it in the drawer. Yeah. And seriously, if they waited just an extra day, Cersei would have been back. And they could have gotten all the information that they needed. They could have taken Miss Redman down with that before all this shit going down. So that just goes to prove that Mrs. Redman's um, information network was shit. Yeah. Anywho, that's the end of Would You Rather. That's the longest Would You Rather ever. That is the end of Would You Rather. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I think it is. All right. Favorite final thought quote? I only have one. And it was, uh, uh, yes, because oh. it, it's long one, so really? I'll just have one. Okay. The people we love are never really gone from us, Mom said. Try to remember that. I know it's hard. It feels like the whole world just stopped spinning, but it doesn't. And we've got to find a way to pick up the pieces. Yeah, okay. That's a pretty good one. Thanks. What you got? I have three. I love you more than I love myself. And you know how much I love myself. <laughs> I love that one. I love that one. Um, I got another mom's quote here. I'm itchy in places I didn't even know existed. <laughs> yes. And then finally, but the poison, it doesn't affect me the same way it affects other people. It doesn't affect you at all. No. Do you have any, Constance? I, I do have one I mentioned a little earlier. Um, <laughs> what key are you singing? Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All the snark. Just all the snark. All the snark. All, all the snark, snark all, all the time. time. <laughs> Perfect. Is it time? Oh, so good. Okay. So, um, it's, it's Constance's time to shine. If you liked this, try this. I narrowed it down to three bucks. All right. Hopefully y'all can tell the relations to all the, to this current story. All right. Book number one, Garden Spells by Sarah Addison Allen. If you're on a, the Patreon tier, you can see the book. Pretty, pretty book covers. Hmm. Summary from the back of the book. The Waverleys have been a curious family, endowed with peculiar gifts that make them outsiders in their hometown of Bascom, North Carolina. Even their garden has a reputation. For the Waverly history is in the soil, and so are their futures. A successful caterer, Claire Waverly, prepares dishes made with her mystical plants. From the, 
uh, blah, 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 from the Nashurisms that aid in keeping secrets to the snapdragons intended to discourage the intentions of her amorous neighbor. Meanwhile, her elderly cousin, Evanel, distributes unexpected presents whose uses become uncannily clear. They are the last of the Waverleys, except for Claire's rebellious sister, Sydney, who fled Bascom the moment she could, abandoning Claire as their own mother had years before. When Sydney suddenly returns home with a young daughter of her own, Claire's quiet life is turned upside down. Together again in the house they grew up in, Sydney takes stock of all she left behind and Claire struggles to heal the wounds of the past. Soon the sisters realize they must deal with their common legacy if they are ever to feel at home in Bascom or with each other. Now, does the next book that you chose feature a character called Amanda? Uh, no. Because if it, it doesn't, Constance. you really need to go. Oh, Damn you it, Damn it, Damn it. Just last down. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do better next time. I'll, the next, yeah. next one constant, I'm on, we'll constant have Amanda. Disappointment. Constant Constance disappointment. Constant incontinent disappointment. Oh yes. Constantly disappointed. <laughs> okay, what's my your name? My real name is Lee, so constantly. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> the next book Magic or Madness by Justine Marble Lester. A summary from the back of the book. Reason Cansino has lived 15 years in Australian Outback with her mother, Serafina. They're on the run from Reason's grandmother, Esmeralda, who believes in magic and practices horrifying dark rituals. But when Serafina suffers a mental breakdown, Reason is sent to one of the places she fears most, Esmeralda's home in Sydney. Nothing about the house or Esmeralda is what Reason expected. Then, when she walks through Esmeralda's back door in Sydney and finds herself in New York City street, Reason is forced to face the shocking truth. Magic is real. Reason is magic. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, tenuous link. It's not like plant magic, but she discovers that she's magic. It's pretty good. All pretty right. good tenuous link. Yes. All right. Last book. Poison Safe by Marie B. Snyder. And the summary based off the back of the book. Murder, mayhem, and magic. Locked in a coffin-like darkness, there is nothing to distract you from the memories of killing Ryad. He deserved to die, but according to the law, so do I. Here in Ixia, the punishment for murder is death, and now I wait for the hangman's noose. But the same... The same law that condemns me may also save me. Ixia's food taster, chosen to ensure that the commander's food is not poisoned, has died. And by law, the next prisoner who is scheduled to be executed, me, must be offered the position. Dun, dun, dun. It's really good. She, she studies uh, poisons and learns all about it, and she like has to taste them, figure out how they taste and all this kind of stuff. 
it's really fun. And she finds out later on that she has magic. Yes. And um, (laughs) there's also plant-like stuff in it. And little spoiler, she has a brother named Leaf. Excellent. I love all of those things. Yes. It's it's a great series. And uh, I have a couple autograph books, and it's amazing. And I love it. Maria V. Snyder. She's great. That's wonderful. And also, if you haven't already, check out Laura Maleficent. It's in paperback and hardback now. Woo! If you want, can you edit that out, Manda? I am because you know we're not we're not this we're not being sponsored by Law of Olympus. It's just got a bit OTT now. Go for horrible Olympus if you want some great Hecate <laughs> content. She keeps talking, but she doesn't have the power for the voice to be on the show. She doesn't. Only in only in the bonus tier. <laughs> Even then. <laughs> Even then, if I really, really wanted to, I could edit it out. Exactly. True. So that's just <sighs> more work for you, Amanda. You it don't really is more work. I really don't. Anywho, do I you really know what don't. I want to know? What? Do you know what I want to know? Do yes, we have what? an indie spotlight this week? We do. We do. It. Uh, this indie spotlight is called "Everything Within and In Between" by Nikki Barthelmas. For Ree Fernandez's entire life, she's been told we live in America and we speak English. Raised by her strict Mexican grandma, Rhee has never been allowed to learn Spanish. What's more, her grandma has always pushed Rhee away from the neighborhood they call home and toward her best friend's world of mansions and country clubs in the hopes that it'll bring Rhee closer to achieving the American dream. In her most private thoughts, Rhee has always believed that her mother, who disappeared when she was young, insert tenuous link, would accept (laughs) her exactly how she is. So when Rhee finds a secret unanswered letter, another tenuous link, from her mom begging for a visit, Rhee decides to reclaim what her grandmother kept from her, a language and a mother. But nothing goes as planned. Her mom isn't who reimagined she would be, and Rhee's struggling to navigate the different interweaving threads of her mixed heritage that make her who she is. Nobody has any idea of who Rhee really is. Not even Rhee herself. Mm-hmm. Tenuous links, missing mothers, T-M. secret letters. We love, we love a tenuous link. We you. do. We really, really do. Okay, well, that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss All These Bodies by Kendara Blake. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Yay! 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 And don't forget to wish Amanda a happy birthday! Yay! Yay! Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Nope, nope, stop it! Nope, nope! You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover.com. 
find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictional hangover and on Twitter at fictional hangover no ER. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>